Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 557 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Joe, with my mic a little distance away from me, and Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'll bring my mic closer to me, that way we'll balance out. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to record something recently for um, a friend of mine's web show. Right. And I went and I listened to it, I was very happy to see how it all turned out. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that I recorded mine from a very good microphone. And the person who did the other half of the bit did not. Oh, okay. It was very, uh, varying qualities of uh, audio quality, if you will. Tin, tin can and a string, huh? Yeah, yeah. And mine sounded very clear and loud and concise. That's uh, what I so. will say for somebody. They did send good mics. They've been holding up. Joe. Yeah, I tell you, man. You know, um, the day will come when we will have to get new microphones and when that day comes these old ones are going to get transported down to uh (laughs) portugal yep we'll bronze them and send them the bronze microphone yeah are we going to use the transporter for that well that's why i said we're going to transport them Uh, so i can cleverly work that in there and then i hammered it home like a neanderthal that's right Easter eggs all in this show, and it's not even Easter. It's uh, right. summertime, springtime. It's, uh, it's between birthdays is what it is. Ah, uh, yes. They can go listen after dark for any of that nonsense. <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to get into the show here shortly. It's a lean show this week, a slender read of an episode, fingers crossed. <laughs> Short episode. Not jinxing anything. <laughs> but as I was preparing some of the stuff for the show, right? Like whether right. I was watching something or reading something. And I'm like, boy, these things that I'm reading and or watching are lucky that this is the clean show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because uh, we do have in the news this week a follow up uh, from a news story from a couple months ago. Uh, maybe closing the loops or at least... Uh, Answering some unanswered questions there. And speaking of closing the loops, this could be the end of the longest recurring The Rob Watch segment in the history of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Digital books uh, that are on sale this week, of course. Uh, What we read from this past week, including uh, Stargirl Spring Break Special. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number three. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd and Joe have issues discussing the Spider-Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Todd's Art Attack and discussion of the most recent episode of The Flash. I think I found the culprit. Listen, it could be any of these things. Mm -hmm. We watched so much for the show this week. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, as I mentioned, a lean week of news. Uh, We had talked a few weeks ago in regards to a Predator book that was getting ready to come out. And then it got canceled and rescheduled. There was a lot of discussion and talk as to the why it was. 
Uh, there was talk that there was a lawsuit pending, similar to the lawsuit in regards to the Friday the 13th characters over who owns the rights to things. But it looks as though uh, Marvel just announced an omnibus of all the Dark Horse Predator stuff that's going to be coming out from them, Marvel, in March of 2022. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're still about nine months away from that. So I guess maybe that's wishful thinking that everything will be resolved by then. Right, because it's a solicit of stuff that's already, you know, been done. So all you have to do is send it off to the printers. Maybe it's just a placeholder, maybe wishful thinking. Maybe they know something we don't, that a lot that it's all close to being resolved. It made me think. I'm hoping we get the Predator book soon. So, But I have no idea. Right, because it was supposed to be a summer book. I think it was supposed to be out this month, if I'm not mistaken, the Predator book. Because the Aliens book is out, and it's chugging along. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the two books were supposed to come out in conjunction to each other for some sort of big crossover, I'm sure. Wasn't there an Aliens versus Predator covers that were supposed to be coming out? Well, or just a Predator cover. And probably they would have announced it when those covers were out. You know what I mean? Well, it's, you know, how Marvel does minimally, like, three variant covers on a lot of their books. With this month of Predator coming out, there was, like, 20 or 25 different Predator variants for 20 or 25 different books. Right. And all of those got scrapped and canceled because there was no book to go along with them. Right. I believe they'll, you know, put them back on the docket if, uh, you know, this if they do, when they do put Predator 1 out again. Yeah. So the fact that the omnibus of the old stuff being solicited for ad date is done, that's, I guess, some positivity that this book may actually come out. Right. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And now to close this chapter, uh, we've been discussing the Rob... And his adventures and leavings and comings and goings with the Mighty Crusaders characters over at Archie. Um, we Archie just announced this past week that David Gallagher is going to script the story for the S.H.I.E.L.D. one-shot based on the Rob's artwork. Um, they changed some of the, uh, variant covers. They revealed some of the variant covers. They canceled some of the variant covers. Now, Archie has claimed that they plan to go forward with the Mighty Crusader stuff, obviously without the Rob. Uh, nothing is solicited for July or August, so we shall see when. Uh, obviously there needs to be some restructuring there. And uh, with this announcement, of course, the Rob does not and cannot stay quiet. (laughs) Uh, And he said, I take a lot of risks and gambles in my career. Some pay off spectacularly, uh, as is the case with my experience on Snake Eyes and IDW. Others like Archie don't pan out despite my best efforts. I don't regret taking a chance, even if it flamed out. My reps have told me that there is a bunch of media exploring the Archie story. I'll respond when and if anything is published. I was honored when they asked me to reboot their dormant superhero line, but not everything goes as planned. Also, I don't know how this can be interpreted as disparaging in any way, but my soul contacted Archie, left the company giving notice of his departure to another comic book company weeks prior to my exiting. I only interacted with one person, 
and have only one contact at IDW as well. Now, I was searching around online because the Rob was kind of like cryptically tweeting out about something. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if it was about this or if it was something else. So at least this closes this chapter on the Rob story. And I'm sure there's going to be pages and leaflets or something else out there of whatever the Rob was going on about how people try to create these clickbait articles about him and so forth. But the ominous line in here uh, says uh, that sticks out to me is I'll respond when and if anything is published. Um, I have a feeling something's going to be published, Joe. Okay. I do think something happened and they'll put it out and then the Rob will throw his big, you know, bag of steamy stuff out there as whatever. And there, and that's what we'll have. I just, I think he's going to tell his story and between me and you, I'm probably not going to believe his side. That's all I got. There's always some truth to what the Rob says. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Right. He was um, he was working for, you know, on the S.H.I.E.L.D. book, then he wasn't, and that'll be the extent of it, of yeah. the truth that's in that story. I don't know. So, again, we'll see if this other thing comes out. We'll figure it out, but I'm glad at least for now uh, Archie seems to be moving forward, and this will give the Rob more time to finish up that Snake Eyes book that he's had great success with. And I wish Gallagher lots of luck uh, writing the book. I don't know what he's been up to since he stopped schlepping the sledgematic. So good for him. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he let his brother co-write it. Oh, there'll be two Shield books. Yes. One on East Coast, one on the West Coast. You know, the other day, uh, <laughs> somebody asked online if with the world opening back up, is Gallagher 2 touring? Specifically asking if Gallagher 2 was touring, not actual Gallagher, but Gallagher 2, and I got such a kick out of it. <laughs> Sometimes fake, like, weird tweets are good, Joe, so. Yes. So, what's definitely not a weird Twitter account, it's a very basic, very straightforward Twitter account. That's the one for soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, whether it be We Want Wrestling, We Want Wrestling. I would say We Want Wrestling, and it kills me because there was a podcast like 10 years ago called We Want Wrestling. We Need Wrestling, which is DJ and Brett, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Final Wrestling Place, or anytime any of those folks go on other shows and they remind me that they're going to be on those other shows, everything goes up at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. I will be recording my appearance, the finals of the A show, uh, this week, where I'm taking on young George Gatton. It's a reverse draft of the current AEW roster where I try to pick the worst roster I possibly can for George to make a show out of, and he does the same for me. And then the fans vote on who put together the best show with the worst roster. Uh, that's the finals. That's being recorded this week. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I had to cancel. No joke. I had to cancel two other podcast offers this week so I can make sure this got done. Uh, do I have to fill in for you? Uh, 
Todd, how uh, familiar are you with the Clerks animated series? I've seen two episodes. Todd, how familiar are you with this week in the world of professional wrestling 1991? Um, I, was that the Attitude Era? No, it was not. Uh, then I'm not too familiar. All right. Well, those were the two that I got offered. And I'm like, I got to reschedule. I got to push him back. Because this takes precedence. Uh, this was promised first, so we got to get... You know what I mean? I could do the A-show. I'm up on, on AEW's roster, right? I'll just pick Business Bear again and again and again. I don't think... You can only pick the same guy once, and I don't think he's on the official roster. I think he's one of the agents, secretly. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, links to that, of course, in the show notes, soon-to-be-named network, as mentioned. Uh, friends of ours that are up to other non uh, podcast related stuff, but creative nonetheless. Friend Kevin Hellions, who I got his at odds prize pack to him this week. Uh, check out his website, Mask Library. Uh, Rick Williams at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. All the cool resin and glow in the dark sci fi fantasy wrestling stuff that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those comics are available digitally on Comixology. I can only imagine the loopholes that they had to jump through to get those up there, huh? <laughs> Don't be lazy, you know, or you can't get them up there. Uh, our friend Becky. Uh, now, again, I'll say this. Uh, she's making me look like a fool because she hasn't been putting a lot of the stuff up on the uh, Instagram, you know? Mm -hmm. She puts the finished product up on the Instagram, but she's been putting the process up on the Twitter. Right. Of a lot of the art that she does. Uh, but definitely check either one of those out. And of course check out our local comic book shop. Comics on the Green. Uh, their heavy presence is on Facebook. All the new releases. Pre-orders. Books coming in. Books being late. All of that is there. And if you don't have a comic book shop in your neighborhood. Or you don't have a good comic book shop in your neighborhood. They, the gang at Comics on the Green. Do a very brisk subscription mail order business. Tell them that we sent you, but don't expect, like, any preferential treatment. That's right. Uh, digital sales this week. Um, a bunch of holdovers, like I said, from the last couple of weeks. Um, Archie, uh, the entire line is on sale. Um, Dynamite Red Sonya sale is wrapping up here shortly. Uh, Marvel having a sale on X-Factor and Daredevil-related stuff. Uh, Dynamite also having a sale on Western titles and DC having a sale on Jeff Lemire related stuff because the Sweet Tooth uh, Netflix show either just premiered or is premiering shortly. Yep. Not not starring Wickerface. Saddest moment of my life. No, no. One of these days we're going to get Wickerface out in public oh. to meet his. We're going to get him out in public to meet his adoring public. Right, especially one person. Uh, I could think. I, I could think of a lot more. I agree, but I know you know. Good guy. One of the best. One of the nicest guys in the world, without a doubt. But links to all of these things are going to be in the show notes, of course. Um, let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, Todd, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is The Last Ronin, number three. Um, once again, you know, we're in this, we're in a, basically the, uh, a version of, I like to call it the dark Knight returns, but done 
with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's one turtle left, um, and he's fighting Oroku Saki, a.k.a. Shredder's grandson, who he believes, you know, has killed all his friends and family. Um, he's with April O'Neil, who has been, you know, uh, busted up from years ago when, in an explosion, and she has uh, Fugitoid's... Uh, body parts that she's going to use to maybe bring down uh, the, the Foot Clan, and we also get a bunch of flashbacks to you know more. We see more of what was happening to the Turtles years ago to lead us up to this point. I'm really liking this book, but I will say I found out I did not know this until just recently that this was originally a three part miniseries, and now it's going to be a five part miniseries. Oh. And I, and I think yes, and I feel this is where it's starting to go off the rails storyline because I feel like we should have been bringing it home right about now, and now we're just adding more stuff. And I have to go back, and I think it hurts it because it's so late that there's a you know it's bi monthly where there's a you know every two months and blah 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 that I feel that I'm lost in the story because I'm not sure in like issue two. Uh, there was something that was happening with Splinter, and he was he was dying from something that the Foot Clan did. But now they're doing story where he was off in Japan for a little bit, but then there's an explosion at the house. Like to me, the timeline of the flashbacks don't make any sense, and I don't know if it's because they're two months apart between the books, or they messed up when they when they stretched the book out or whatever. I think if this book was closer together in three issues, it would be much much better. If that makes any sense. Yeah, so um, I could have, I was going to say, I could have swore that this was not originally solicited um, as a longer than three issue one. But when we got into the heavy flashbacks in this one, it very much felt like some padding, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, the other thing is you just casually brushed by uh, Fugitoid, right? Mm -hmm. So I know the Ninja Turtles. You know, I, I, I could name a bunch of people. I know what colors are who. I right. know your villains. I know your Baxter Stockmans. I know your people like that, right? Mm -hmm. But this uh, really made Fugitoid feel very important. And I don't feel as though they did a really good job of explaining to someone who is not steeped in this world as to why Fugitoid is so important. Um, okay. Fugitoid wasn't important to the turtles. I feel Fugitoid is important to this story in that they said like he has something inside him that can bring down the grit, like whatever. Like that was the only thing. Um, are but are you like they do explain what they need him for, but as important to the turtles, he was a minor character from the Mirage days, and I don't understand. I don't know his new origin because I know like how they changed the turtles origin. I was reading the uh, early run of the IDW turtles, but I'm not sure what uh, Fugitoid's origin is now, but I know his old origin and that's all I need in my head. If that makes any sense. Cause I'm an old fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but so, so that's the thing. I don't even know what his old origin is. Right. Right. His old origin was, he was a professor who was, Link like doing stuff with cybernetics and robots that he would like put on like a like a headgear and he'd be like oh I'd be able to control like control my robot and this is going to be this is going to revolutionize things and the army was kind of interested in the project but he's like I'm not gonna 
let you have it because I, I don't want to weaponize it. So he, one day he had Fugitoid out gardening, you know, doing somewhere in the, the, the headgear and lightning struck Fugitoid or him. I forget which one. And it fried the doctor's name was Dr. Honeycutt, fried his brain and killed him and put his brain inside the robot. Now the army was like, oh, robots don't have any rights. We can do whatever we want. Like, we couldn't do anything to Honeycutt because he wouldn't give us the information. But now Honeycutt's in the robot. We won't say he's a person in the robot. We'll just say, hey, we grabbed this robot. We could duplicate the process, put soldiers in the robot. So he went on the run, hence the name Fugitoid. Aha. Uh-huh. And he had like a big oversized one shot, and he'd pop up in the comic once in a blue moon. So uh, my brother, being a collector of the toys, he mm-hmm. had the Fugitoid toy. Right. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's just some sort of like robot turtle because he's kind of shaped like they are, right? Mm-hmm. But he's a robot. I don't know what this is. No. Uh, yeah, so again, it, it, this issue just made it feel as though so much hangs on fugitoid and i'm like i don't know how important fugitoid is he's not a ninja turtle you know right and I, know, I know we only got one left mm-hmm. and it's not lost on me that the one remaining turtle doesn't like the wise cracking back talking sass of uh casey and april's daughter Right, Casey something, I forget her name, but yeah. I, I like her. I wonder if she's going to put the mask on at some point, Joe. Mm, I wonder. If there'll be Casey 2.0. Maybe we can add a sixth issue at $9 a clip. Oof. Oh, and if they ever do a Casey future mask, I wonder if anyone will buy multiples of them. Not me. Not you? Nope. Maybe I'll acquire some. What, it's not a, it's not Doll Safari, it's not Toy Boy. What is it when you do it? Oh, I acquire uh, it's merchandise. So. Yes, it's merchandise acquiring. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt. I just, it's, it's, hunting says that you might not get something. You may miss. I never miss, Joe. Right. I'm the dead shot of buying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the other book that I know we both read and I was most looking forward to was uh, the Stargirl Spring Break Special, written by Jeff Johns with art by Todd Nock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is explaining the JSA, explaining the Golden Age, uh, the Seven Soldiers of Victory, all this stuff that I like from DC that hasn't been around in quite some time. And like, this is their way of explaining it into this current new continuity of infinite frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Crimson Avenger and it's the most recent Crimson Avenger. Uh, she is assembling the group to get together or whoever's left. Um, and they do like the framing device of, you know, Pat and Courtney, and again, listen, we watch the TV show, so it's Pat and Courtney. We know who these characters are, right? Right. So there's a good chunk of the story of Courtney, like, no, what were your teammates really like outside? And like, this is the way that we're explaining it to the audience, the people reading this maybe for the first time, because they recognize Stargirl from the TV show and and Pat from the TV show. Um, I don't want to say that I like, but I'm definitely intrigued by... 
Uh, the way that they explain that there was a Golden Age Green Arrow is that current day Green Arrow got time traveled back to the Golden Age. Right. And thus that created the Golden Age Green Arrow. And then, then he came back to our time and Ollie was able to deal with it okay, but Roy not so much. And became a junkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they do all this explanation of all these characters, the original uh, Crimson Avenger and his sidekick Wing, who actually I have little memory of. I, I think he was kind of like a lower tier uh, Golden Age type character, maybe. Right, right. Um, but, and then they have to take on Clock King, who is, you know, a kind of low level villain, but he's got time travel powers. So Perdegaton is in this. Uh, like I said, you got all these classic Golden Age characters with the Nouveau stuff that Jeff Johns did, and it's kind of Jeff Johns going back to the thing that made him Jeff Johns, you know? Yeah, I mean, the best book of the years of the early run of Justice Society, JSA it was, was the first go-around. Was the best book on the market, man. So, yeah, I'm with you. It feels, like, very nostalgic. Uh, I get confused anytime they, you know... With the like the Ollie, I like the idea of the Ollie being also the Golden Age Ollie and how they did it. But Crisis and Golden Age, it always screws me up because nobody will ever be able to remember continuity from the beginning to end. It's done, shot. But I do love it. And like you said, they mentioned JSA, uh, Star Girl. It, it was a fun all around book. And anytime you can bring in Greg Saunders, the Vigilante, just. One of my favorite, like, cowboy character looks in comics with the red mask and the blue shirt. Like, just visually just just pops and all the other uh, soldiers that we meet. I'm, I'm all for it. And then the lead-in at the end, the tease at the end, I'm like, yeah, I may be buying these books when they come out. I may right. dip into well, my wallet. Yeah, we get, like, a little bit, you know, more direct uh, thing. And it's like, to be continued in Stargirl number one. And I'm like, ooh, baby, Stargirl number one, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get, like, that little second feature, and we get that big two-page spread of, you know, JSAs throughout the year by Brian Hitch. And I'm like, one, that'd be a nice poster. I like that. I like seeing all those characters all together looking the way they do. Some folks have new designs. Some of them have their more classic designs. And I want explanations on everything. And then it says Justice League passed his prologue. And I'm like, or Justice Society passed his prologue. I'm like, if they're teasing a JSA book, sign me up for that too, you know? I totally, totally agree. And I'm just like, I I kinda I kinda need this now. I'm I'm with you, like on the looks and everything. Um, and it kind of like the prologue uh thing at the end. Do you remember when Jeff Johns used to write multiple books and every year he would give you like with the storylines would wrap up and then it would be like, here's the four teases of what's coming next year. Or you'd get, like, the JSA secret files. Oh, yeah. Or, and that's where you'd get your teases, you know? Like, you had to be mm-hmm. smart enough to know it's like, ah, you can't skip anything. Nope. Yep. And then the only thing that was even better than that was when he was doing the Rip Hunter chalkboard. I miss those, too, so. Yeah, so, so much of what Jeff Johns did uh, in that early JSA run, which is now, what, 20-plus years old? Oh my God, it has to be. Uh huh. Um, so I got no problem with him revisiting this stuff, you know? Um, I'll um, be first in line. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. 
so I, I I was very much looking forward to this, and with the Todd Knock art, it felt like a late '90s, early 2000s book in the best way possible. <laughs> it read like the Jeff Johns of old. It was like putting on, you know, a, a comfortable, worn-in John Cena hat <laughs> or a threadbare, loose uh, LVAC shirt. It just felt right reading it, you know? Right. With, with may, that, it may not resonate to you, but hopefully this is something that's going to bridge that gap to folks that maybe watch the Stargirl TV show. Uh, they just announced, I think, over the weekend that season two starts up in two months. Right. Um. I would have assumed that the Stargirl book would maybe be out in August, but maybe it'll be out in September to coincide with the TV show. Who knows? It's got to be coming soon, right? Right. I mean, yeah. I have a feeling because it wasn't in this previews, it'll be in the next previews, you know? Yep. So I'm all excited. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for this. As Todd mentioned, give all this to me now. Mm-hmm. Shut up and take my money. So that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, uh, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for that big giant omnibus, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week so that you are prepared. And this is a big week, Todd, and this is a big month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with two correct guesses. And I'm looking at your list. And I am going to guess the book that you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Suicide Squad number four. It is not. It is Invincible Red Sanja number two. Okay. Right. I'm in a like a definite Palmiati kick right now. Yeah, I know that you've been saying that you've been really enjoying the Suicide Squad thing, so that's why I leaned that way. Right, right. Um, I'm looking over yours, and I'm nervous because every time I go for the layup, I, I that's the one time it's not the layup. But is the book you're looking forward to most Immortal Hulk 47 with only like you know a couple a handful left to go? Yeah, it is Immortal Hulk 47. Um, again, tip in my hand, I can see at least for the next three issues of that. Unless Image decides to spring Saga back on us. <laughs> right. Uh, or uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what was the book uh, by Aaron, Jason Aaron? Uh, Southern Bastards. Bring yeah. that back. That, that's the only one that maybe I could think would trump it, too. And I'll just throw this out here as well. Uh, that nice house on the lake. Mm-hmm. Is a uh, creator-owned horror book at DC by James Tinney in the Fourth. Yeah, because I didn't go get my DC books today. Yeah. Um, if there's any left, I might pick that up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If, just just mentioning cause... it because that was a that was a close second. You know. That's what I figured that that was that was the one and one A. But I was like, when I was doing my books, like you said, it was a big, 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 big month. So I was like, eh, let me see. And then as it gets closer, I'm looking at my list compared to yours. I'm like, ah, I can add one more book to it. So so I'll probably pick that up. We'll probably be talking about it next week, too. For sure. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, 
past episodes of After Dark or the current ongoing sensation, Todd and Joe have issues where we are discussing the mid to late or the uh, early to mid 2000s run by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray on Jonah Hex and the possibly much maligned, maybe <laughs> hopefully will be redeemed by the end of this year, uh, Spider Clone Saga. Mm. A lot of people taking great glee in my suffering reading uh, Spider Clone Saga. But uh, where do you want to start? Uh, let's, you know what, let me start with Jonah Hex, if that's okay with you. Sure, sure. So, uh, I do like, Jonah Hex issue 30 is what we had read, um, written again, Pamiotti and Gray, art by Jordi uh, Vernay, uh, probably the more regular artist on this title, yes. Um, of all the artists he did between issues and covers, he has done the most art on this 70 issue run. Uh, this... This uh, issue is titled Luck Runs Out. Uh, I like the bit on the opening page where Jonah Hex's name is spelled (laughs) all out in whiskey bottles as he is laid passed out on the ground. And then we kind of get like a story in 12 panels, not like four panels, like how you can tell Spider-Man or Superman's origin. This just shows how much more of a complicated character that Jonah Hex is where it takes 12 panels to tell his origin from front to start, where Spider-Man and Superman, uh, even Batman maybe, it's like four, maybe five at the most. That's because he's a deeper character. And I was upset that this is uh, in the digital version. I don't like the way they do it, that uh, this is supposed to be a two-page spread and not one page and one page. Oh, okay. So I was kind of like, but I do really quick, like that it tells the origin from birth to the person we, we we've heard about Mei Ling, his wife leaving with the baby. And then jo- Jonah went down a dark drinking path. And this is that time in his life just by those, uh, you know, 12 panels that, uh, that I read. So I know exactly where he is in the bronze age run. Yes. Uh, so we show up in the town desperation, uh, which is population six. Train rolls into town, uh, and Lucky Dave and his crew come off the train, and they are affixing to not only rob the train, but also since there's only six people in this town, they're going to take the town as well. And they want to know where all the horses in the town are, and the uh, train man, what, what would you call it, the train conductor? Train man. The, the, well, the engi- they kill the engineer... Yes, because he's the only one who could drive the train, and then they get the the basically the conductor or the guy who's selling tickets. Like, where's the stable in this town? Yes, and this is when they find out that there's only two horses in the whole town, uh, and one of them belongs to that drunk fella who showed up and hasn't <laughs> left his room in days. Right. Uh, so they're like, "Well, we need horses, so we need to go and get the horses, and we need to take care of that one drunk fella." Uh, that has the horse. So they send from the crew, Lucky Dave sends Samson, who's a giant hulking individual. And while he's off doing his uh, Jonah business, uh, Lucky Dave sends the rest of his crew out to blow up the safe that's on the train. But unfortunately, they use too much dynamite. And not only does it blow up the safe, but it burns up all the money as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lucky Dave, not very happy about this. We cut back to Jonah Hex. And what I will say 
one of the more gruesome fights I've ever seen in a comic book in my entire life. Yep. Uh, in a moment not for the squeamish, Jonah shoves an entire full whiskey bottle, not a broken in half whiskey bottle. The man breaks it off in his own neck after Jonah shoves it through from his back through the front of his neck. No, it's a broken bottle. Oh, it is a broken bottle? Because the yep. way that it looks like it's... Okay, so... The art you used was a different bottle. Uh, okay, okay. Because I have the comic right in my hand. Samson comes into the, the, the hotel room. And Jonah's hiding in the closet. And you can clearly see he has a broken whiskey bottle in his hand. Okay. And he uses it and puts the jagged end. And then the blood starts shooting out the neck of the bottle. In a great, yeah. great scene. I'm coming around on Jordy Burnett. That's all I'm going to say. Of all the people that should, it should be you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um... Obviously, they're now starting to get nervous. Lucky Dave, because, uh, of course, Samson hasn't come out. Jonah throws him out a window. Uh, Lucky Dave has had enough. He goes to get the horses, and he finds out that the only horse in town is dead and seemingly been dead for some time. In his frustration, Lucky Dave kicks the horse, and it lets out a disgusting noise, and he gets stuck in the horse. And a somewhat sobered up Jonah comes out and he's going to shoot Lucky Dave, taunting him in a way that only Jonah can, uh, talking about how his luck may have run out. Uh, and the guy keeps trying to uh, appeal. Lucky Dave does uh, to appeal to Jonah's, I guess, sense of valor, perhaps, of saying like, oh, you wouldn't shoot an unarmed man. You wouldn't shoot me in this condition. So Jonah's like, all right, pull him out of the horse, give him a gun, and then I will <laughs> shoot him. And Jonah does just that and gives him an unloaded gun. Um, and as the issue ends, uh, Lucky Dave says, you're a no good drunk, a whiskey hound with an empty heart. He's trying to fill with whiskey. And that sounds like a good plan. Uh, and he says, you ain't even got nothing worth stealing. And the last line of the issue is Jonah Cox's gun. He says, sure I do. I got my reputation. The end. I, I love this issue. Bang. Great issue. Home run. Uh, Top-notch stuff. You don't need to know Jonah's full origin. They give you the fishbone, like I said at the beginning of the issue, with those 12 panels. That's all the information you need. Great issue. Yeah, I, like I said, I all around love it. And like I said, knowing a little bit more like the the background, you know what I mean? Like I know where he is in his life. And I like the little things, like the whole story makes sense where they're like, look, send Samson upstairs to kill him and we'll get his horse and everything. And like Jordy shows the open window and them walk like from Jonah's point of view. So he can hear everything. You know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing left that undone in that story that like is confusing or whatever it's straightforward and it works visually and story-wise so yes and i really now want to go to that con in connecticut so i can reenact that photo i have with justin and J and, and and uh jimmy oh uh, and did you see frank uh Thierry was announced as being there as well 
Yes, if if Moritat gets announced, because I was like, get Moritat, because I need something from him to complete my Jonah Hex thing. Um, I'm like, if Moritat goes, I'm going. So I'm like, hey, Jimmy and Amanda, you know, if you can get Moritat for the trifecta at Terrificon, and I tagged everybody. Um, I'm like, uh, that'd be great for the trifecta. And Jimmy's like, yeah, that would be the best. And like Terrificon kind of liked it. And I'm like, Ooh, please mean that. Like I'm reading into things like get more attack, get more attack. And I'm, I'm off to gamble and get art and comics. Joe. <laughs> oh, sounds like it could be a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, so is it my turn to do adjective list Spider-Man 59? It is. Okay. So the issues last we left them, a uh, Judas traveler was showing Peter a destroyed New York. So that starts out and he's showing him, like I said, destroyed New York. And he's like telling Peter that something he will do. Peter, this that is will destroy New York in 24 hours. And that he's like, you know, bending time and space to do this. So he's like, well, Peter's like, well, what's happening? And he's like, well, my hosts are going to sabotage a geothermal heating station and that will cause the damage. But I'm, you know, you don't have to go do anything because I will use my very specific powers that are clearly explained <laughs> to keep your family and baby and you safe. So if you do nothing, New York will be destroyed, but you will come out of this unscathed. And actually all the, all the people and all like, you know, the Jackal and Kane and everything that's going on with Ben Riley, like it'll all be, uh, you know, wiped away and you, and you could start a whole new life. And Peter's like, I don't believe this. I like this part. He goes to like see Mary Jane. And this is the only thing, like, I don't take like super detailed notes, but I like when Peter's, and I'm going to read the, the, the hit what he's thinking. He's like, this is my life now. My clone comes back from the dead just as Mary Jane lets me know I'm going to be a father. Then I'm arrested for a crime he supposedly committed. Kane shows up, kidnaps MJ, more clones, the Jackal, more clones. The Scarlet Spider switches places with me so I can be with Mary Jane. And now this. They should have added like 17 more clones in there stating because I was laughing at that. I was like, that's just a great bit that... Uh, that they're doing. So um, Judas is like, you know, this is all part of my experiment to unlock the true nature of evil. And that way I'll find the true nature of good. So Peter's like, you know what? I'm going to go stop this geothermal thing. So he heads off. Scryer shows up and warn, warns Judas that he's not omnipotent. He's like, you're pushing your powers too far. Those clearly defined powers of Judas Traveler too far. I, Judas- need, I, so I, want, I want to read this for the listeners at home, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, the whole thing that we're setting up, as you mentioned, is that Traveler's like, oh, no, I'm not the one doing this. It's my host, my cronies that are the ones that are doing this. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm absolved from whatever's going on here, right? Right. So as uh, Traveler is using his, as mentioned, very clearly defined powers, Scryer shows up and says, a word of warning, my friend. You strain the limits of your powers. Traveling ahead in time, peering into the future, as you have said, even you are not omnipotent. Be careful. And then Traveler lashes out at Scryer and says, do not presume to warn me, Scryer. You have been my friend, my confidant. For hundreds of years. But okay. never presume you are my equal. And Traveler and uh, Scryer says, no, Judas. 
I would never. Right. Are All you, of this is important, Todd. In 14 months. In, no, well, in, I would say, at least five. Okay, I want to say, because I was going to actually mention all that, I love that dialogue, because I'm hoping at some point that Scryer goes, you know, like, never presume that you're my equal. And he goes, I would never, because when that mask comes off and whoever Scryer is, he has to say, yes, I would never presume I'm your equal. I'm your better. Because that's every second in command, just waiting to do something. So I don't know what's going on here, but I'm hoping that line pays off with the way I predicted. So um, probably won't because this is going to turn into a show that uh, I, I can't, you know, it's going to be a chicken scratch if you know what I mean by the end. Uh, I just want to make sure that that part gets included in the episode. Yep. No problem. Um, So Peter goes off to fight Judas's hosts, blah, blah, blah. They have a fight. I'm not even going to go into that. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, uh, because Judas pushed his powers too far, a temporal anomaly has opened up and Scryer says it wasn't Peter who caused New York to be destroyed. It was you doing like all your shenanigans with like pushing your powers really far. But Scryer also knows, you know, because Scryer also has clearly defined powers. Um, he's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Your deal still stands with the last of Judas's magic, your family's going to be fine. Like, you know, no matter what happens. So, um, Judas's life starts flashing before his, his uh, life starts flashing before his eyes. And it goes back to like, he's like, I think in the panels, like they show Judas in all of them, like, and that's not a panel, but different cuts in one panel. Like he's at crucifixions and he's at, in the war and like he, he's seen evil throughout history and stuff like that. So I don't know, you know, how much that's a clue into his life, but he's been around for, you know, many, many years, apparently. Um, and his life of how he sought out like evil so he could understand it. Um, while this is going on, Peter decides like, uh, well, because apparently temporal anomaly and I'm Scarlet Spider slash Spider-Man. If I pull him out of it, it'll all be fine. I've, I've, I've done the math and the science. This seems legit. So he ends up just pulling uh, him out and he gets a glimpse into Judas Traveler's mind and is like whatever, and in the end they're like, well, why did you do it? You know, you could you could have been rid of him. You could have been rid of all your things. And he's like, and he's not going to stand with knowing you knowing him better than he knows you. And he's like, I'm not really that complicated. Like help people. It's not rocket science. End of issue. Yeah. Um, oh, and there was some cut. stuff with Detective Raven. He's gonna, you know, he's out to. To what is it? Uh, to find that Peter's innocent. But go ahead. Sorry. Uh, almost like a nothing burger of an of an issue. Mm-hmm. I like the coloring bits when like uh, Traveler is being kind of torn apart, and they do like all that like funky, weird, negative coloring with him on a couple pages. Right. Uh, that was just something a little bit different, a little bit unique. Um, something that looking to see it on like old school coloring from the mid to late nineties was very interesting. Um, and then for next issue tease, of course, we get the beginning of the trial of Peter Parker and the secret of Kane, Todd. Ooh, is he a clone? <laughs> Todd, I think so. I'll say this is Kane a clone. Yes. Kane is a clone. And imagine how unbelievable of a reveal that would be 
if we already haven't had minimally 10 other clones throughout the series to this point. What? Peter said there was only three times there was more clones in that soliloquy he had in this issue. Well, that's the thing. I think maybe this may have been written before some of the other filler stuff was written. Mm-hmm. With like the Gwen Stacy clone and the Jackal clone and all those other people. Uh, but actually, we do have one more issue before the trial actually begins. Because what we're reading next week, Spectacular Spider-Man number 225. Uh, again, it's a it's an issue that ends in a five, Todd. Uh-oh. So it's an anniversary issue. And it has a hollow disc cover. Mm. Of the Green Goblin, that <gasps> hot new character that was debuted in Web of Spider-Man 125. Uh, another, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, anniversary issue. And uh, written by Tom DeFalco, art by Sal Buscema, excuse me. Uh, so, you know, take all that for what you will. Can't wait wait to read more about baby uh, babyface slash pumpkin bomb maniac Green Goblin. Uh-huh. And of course, next up is just Jonah Hex issue thirty one. Very straightforward there. Uh, I don't know. I wanted to see how I can make Jonah Hex more convoluted just for you. Uh, I, I I didn't. I I knew we were going to get in some murky waters with the Clone Saga. Little did I know how murky it was going to be. Right. Uh things pick up a little bit. When we get into the trial of Peter Parker, um, maybe marks up a bit when we get into maximum clonage. Oh, God. <laughs> marks up a little bit. Yeah. Mm. So uh, while you're over at com, of course, you could also check out our store where you could purchase shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, if you want even more fancy items with even more fancy logos inspired by this show, inspired by After Dark, inspired by Add-Ods with Wrestling, inspired by Final Wrestling Place, you could head over to our T Public store where you can get those logos on everything from face masks to stickers to cell phone covers to tablets and all things in between. Uh, you could also help us out by signing up for our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get two bonus shows from Todd and I. Uh, previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month of the previews catalog to see what the world of comic books looked like way back then. Spoilers, it didn't look much different. (laughs) Um, Lots of cards. And lots of trading cards. Uh, And six never seen movies where Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen before. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen before. We're just hot off the heels of, I will say... Uh, what will end up being the most critically acclaimed and arguably the best movie that we end up watching in this project, which is Ed Wood. I cannot argue with that. Um, so if you sign up at the $5 and up level, you get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you get After Dark three days or so before everyone else. So you get to listen to the show in the correct listening order. Uh, I would say that we probably have the best deal on a Patreon for the content that you get. If you are a fan of Todd and I, like I said, for a dollar a month, you get two bonus shows a month from us. And those bonus shows usually clock in at about two hours each. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it's it's more Todd and Joe than anyone should be allowed to have. I say enjoy us enjoying the Patreon shows. <laughs> for sure. Uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. 
They, Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of said advertising fee. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this week include uh, a Chapel JSR jet sled brand sled. Oh, I had no idea what all that was. Yes. Uh, somebody purchased a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Oh, I thought that was the OG Mandino. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, somebody purchased a Hanes Men's Sport Cool Dry Performance T-shirt in Navy. Mm, no pocket, no deal. <laughs> and Navy, get out of town. Tell your yeah. story walking. Right. I thought somebody was buying a bunch of V-necks and they were going to cosplay as uh, Orange Cassidy. Ooh, sounds like fun. And somebody bought a uh, four-pack of Sam Sill three-ring binder organizers. I'm sure they're putting those trading cards in there. Mm -hmm. And it's a big, long description for this. Uh, It's a Fan City iPad 8th generation case. Uh, Smart Wake sleep stand cover with pencil holder and so on and so forth. But it's a cover for your iPad. That makes your iPad look like my uh, handy-dandy notebook. The college-ruled black-and-white marbled notebooks. I gotcha. Yeah. Thanks. So I thought that was, uh, that was a neat little bit of business there, huh? Right. Probably better than a handy holder. Everything's better than a handy holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, thank you, everyone. Uh, whether you're a patron, uh, whether you're purchasing stuff through the store directly, the T Public store, making those purchases through the Amazon click-through, every little bit helps. I'm not going to say the corny line about how it keeps the lights on, bandwidth, whatever it is. All that's taken care of. It's just a little bit of thanks to us at the end of the month, letting us know that we're doing a good job, you know? Right. And uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. We only had one, though. Um, Rebecca's Art sent in a mermaid by Rebecca. I like the look of this one. It's like a tattooed mermaid, too. And I like the, the difference in colors, like the purplish you know, body of it, but the pink hair on the mermaid, like the, the, the contrast is like really cool on that. So I like that a lot. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the different colors. A lot of times Rebecca's stuff is limited to a color. Most mm-hmm. times a lot of shading, a lot of depth, a lot of perception with stuff. But again, this, we've got blues, we got greens and we've got a reddish pink that really pops and that detail on the hair on this mermaid. Tribal tattoos all over. Uh, great work. I agree. So, Todd. Yes. I think that's it for the main show. Yes, I think now it's just spoiler-filled talk of The Flash, right? Yes, indeed. So if you're uh, not watching The Flash, not caught up on The Flash, or don't care about The Flash... We bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening to episode 557. And uh, I ain't got no water, so we're going to get right into it here. (laughs) Uh, So this is Family Matters Part 2. Did I do that? Oh, boy. Rowan Urkel was like a robot and Bruce Lee in that last season. Yeah, do you remember uh, Cool Stefan? I do remember Cool Stefan. Urkel's Flash. My, my, I, so I forget how it came up the other day. We were talking about old TV shows, my wife and I to my son. And my wife was like, oh, name him. He's like, he comes into me, he's whispering to me. He's like, tell me a show that I could say to mom that she'll say she doesn't like. 
And I go, I can't because every show that I'm thinking of, she'll say that she'll like. So I'm like, what about this? What about that? What about this? And then she's like, oh, the TGIF shows and the Family Matters and the Step by Step. And I'm grabbing my kid. I'm like, all those shows are terrible. (laughs) She liked those? Yes. Well, if she had said just the 10 of us, I would have been okay with it. Yeah, just that I think just the ten of us was the end of it for me. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll watch uh, uh, Growing Pains under protest. Right. Uh, just the ten of us I enjoyed quite a bit, uh, for at least four or five reasons I could think of. <laughs> right. Uh, Perfect Strangers I think holds up better than most of the other shows. Oh, Balky Bartakamus, don't yes. you? Nobody badmouth him and cousin Larry. Yes, uh, Full House, Step by Step, Family Matters. Go watch those shows now. Yes, and then come back and te- and then and one last thing. I, I still stand by the fact that Family Matters is a spinoff of Die Hard. I think they exist in the same universe, right? The the Die Hard cinematic universe. Could you tell we don't want to talk about the Flash this week? <laughs> what? Let's get right into it for the uh, second time. So, I've I've addressed that I really don't like this whole forces stuff, mm-hmm. and I really don't like the forces calling Barry and Iris mommy and daddy, right, and brother and sister. Yeah, I don't like it at all. And this episode like decided to like double and triple down on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bunch of misdirects with it. Where now Nora has like makeup that is supposed to make her look evil that makes her sadly look older than she actually is. Right. It's and goth that, speed force. Yeah, the goth speed force. But she's like a lady in her 40s, which is fine. But I don't know. It was a bad decision on all parts involved. Right. Um, everybody was... I guess the best thing I could say about this episode was everyone was in it. Right, except for uh, uh, Elongated Man. Well, he hasn't been in it since the uh, second episode of the season, which was the season finale from the previous season, or the fourth episode, or whatever it was, right. where he was wearing a helmet that changed his voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like I said, there's a whole bunch of misdirects, and I didn't like the fact that the... And I get that you're trying to get the forces over as a thing, Right. Right. And the fact that they kind of resolve their own problem without Barry and everyone else really doing much of anything other than Barry running. And then all of a sudden, once the forces decide that, like, we're going to agree upon this and not try to destroy each other, um, then Barry gets all of their energy. And now the forces are living together in a, I guess, what would you say, a speed force creation of Barry's childhood home. Right, which was where the Speed Force was always before. Right. But before, it was, like, in, at the beginning of this episode, it was, like, all dusty and run down. Mm-hmm. And now, the fact that the Forces are all together, it's much more modernized, it's much more up-to-date. Um, and now that the Forces are working together, Barry is going to be stronger and faster and better than he's ever been before. And also, we're three episodes in, and uh, Killer Frost is already out of jail. That was the weirdest part. That this stuff thing. all felt like it was tacked on and inserted in here. Mm-hmm. Because other than Caitlin, no other characters address what's going on with Frost. 
No, uh, was, uh, Joe and Cecile did. Okay, okay, but like the main, I guess like the main cast, like our main no, players, I, I don't acknowledge you. it at all. No, fair enough, fair enough. But but the Speed Force are going to destroy everything. They don't have time to worry about Caitlyn. Um, but but Frost, yes, that was the one weird part because it was like, um, you know, she gets out because the the storm that's building because of the speed the, because of the forces destroy Iron Heights. And a bunch of metahumans get out. So it's like that old, uh, you know, tried and true, like, uh, trope on TV, like Brimstone back in the day. Oh, 13, you know, people escaped hell. I have to round them up kind of a deal. It's like she gets out and she's like, oh, I just escaped. And I figured eh, if I round up these, the, the other people that escaped, you know, this and that. And, they're, you know, it, it'll be good for me. And, like, she ends up saying... That like she's getting probation because like the, she like she walked out and and they agreed to this I guess I don't know it's all very vague and I don't care for it so yeah because like she she has the battle with the hot bartender Chill Blaine who has like a funky like yellow coat with fur on it which I didn't like right Len Snart with abs ugh no thank you what. Um, and then, like, she reveals to Caitlin that she has a crush on a boy, mm-hmm. which is stupid. But as you mentioned, like, like she just comes in and says, oh, yeah, they gave me a pardon. I'm, I'm out on good behavior. And I'm like, we didn't see this happen. Like, that lady that took over Joe's spot on the police force would not allow this to happen. I was going to say, I'm wondering if she's just telling Caitlin that she got probation, like a parole. I think she's lying. I do too because you had a life sentence and you broke out of prison. You know, like you didn't break out so much as you took the, you know, the initiative during the the, the, the knockdown wall, but that usually gets you into trouble if you wander off, Joe. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Though uh, I did like the fact that they did get to have the CGI. Uh, uh, forces fight um, because like, you know, cause they can't have anybody in the pandemic. It was just so bad. This episode was so bad all around. And I'm kind of glad that the force forces story is over. I have a feeling it'll play into however anything's going to end, but I'm wondering what we're going to get into because at the end, um, they, uh, Barry and, uh, Iris are ready to have a kid and they're like, oh, well, you know, should we, well, we can, if we don't ever try. And she's like, where are you going? I'm going to bed. She's like, I like your impulse. And I'm like, oh boy, is that where we're going? Yes. Sadly. So I do my best to try to avoid spoilers on stuff like this. Mm -hmm. The comings and goings of the shows that we watch. Right. But apparently a couple weeks ago, they did leak out what the Impulse costume is going to look like on the show. The poster of what he, yeah. 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 So there's the, no Flash this week, Todd. No, there isn't. There is going to uh, be a Legends, though. Yeah, Legends is back on Sunday. And then uh, Low Key starts next week, right? Right. And then some decisions have to be made. Yeah. Some tough, tough decisions, Joe. Yeah. I think we'll cross that bridge next week, huh? Yep, yep. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, again, I it's just I, I I would hate to say that this was the episode of the Flash that broke me, but the forces was just not an inspiring plot thread for this first part of the season or whatever it was, and mm-hmm. it kind of ended on a whimper. 
and I've said it before on here, and I'll say it again, it wasn't a great story in the comics either. So, you yeah. know, copy a C, get a D. Yeah, we'll get caught copying, and you get a D, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. All that was right. a quick show. Hey, listen, I didn't want to jinx it. And you didn't, so. I didn't, right. So, uh, for Todd, this is Joe, closing out episode 557, Longbox Heroes. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.